psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. Hi. Hey. What are you doing? I am making Valentine's cards. <laughs> I'm a 37. I almost said 38. I'm not oh. 38 yet. A 37-year-old woman who is making a handmade Valentine's card. But isn't it cute? It is really cute. Like, you're getting real creative, like, folding this It's got to pop up a little. This guy. I don't remember his name. I'm sorry. Oh, you know how long it's, it's Millhouse. been? Millhouse. There you go. It's, it's like, Nelson. Know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know how long it's been since I've watched The Simpsons? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> It's okay. I still love you. Okay, good. Um, it's Nelson Muntz on the front, and he's opening opening a Valentine's that says, "Guess who likes you?" And when you open it, Millhouse pops out at you. I love it. Yeah, you're getting real creative. Yeah, you're so cool. I last year I made the kids, um, "You choo choo choose me Valentine's." Oh my mm. gosh, is it always Simpsons related? I'm sorry, kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! You will get Simpsons Valentine's, and you will like it. That's right. I love you and the Simpsons. Apparently, yep. Goodness, that's fair. All right. Um. So, I learned. I heard all sorts of stories this past weekend. At Grand did Place. you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we had a grand old time. Good. Um, couple stories. I'll be doing here. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, this is off air with Emily and Patra. Oh, by yeah. The way. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Emily. I'm Patra. And we're back. Um, it's a special Valentine's Day episode today. It is. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, you guys. Are you doing anything exciting with your children Valentine's? Um. Uh, no. No. I've got them. I got Ivan a Hall- or Halloween. <laughs> A Valentine's edition of Bean Boozled, and Ooh. we're totally playing that That's Thursday. Fun. So, or today. yeah, today. Not th- not th- actually, we're not doing it on Thursday. We're going to play it on Friday because okay. yeah, I'll Got be it. working. I work tonight yeah. at the garage. Yeah, I'm sorry. Eh. I'm going to go it's see Cher tonight. <laughs> Remember oh. when I put in a proposal for Cher tickets yeah. and was like, "Hey, Remember everybody, when- who wants to go see Cher? Because I can't. I have to work." <laughs> Remember when I gave you that entire list of things that I wanted you to get tickets for for my benefit? I and Cher was on it, and you're like, "Really?" I was like, "Yes, get those tickets." I do remember that. That's have great. I done any? Have I done a good job? Yeah, I've gotten some. You've done a great job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> have I done a good job? Have Tell I, me. Tell done? me. Am I good? <laughs> am I pretty? Cut my hair. <laughs> my God, oh, I'm Lord. so sorry. No, don't be. It's all good. Oh, goodness. Um, um, <clears throat> I, oh, okay. So we got a ring um, alarm thing, video camera thing. Oh. Because apparently in our area, there's mm-hmm. been a couple people or some people that have been trying to steal trucks. And Christopher's like real freaking worried that they're gonna break into our garage and steal our truck, which they're not going to because it, no, it's not happening. They might, but they might. So Christopher ordered one of those ring cameras, yes, and sir. we're gonna put it like up outside of our garage yeah. to look out and stuff. And we got he got it in the mail yesterday at work, so we brought it home and we set it up. But we set it up inside to make sure, like, just yeah. to get settings right and to see if it works and all that stuff. And then he's going to use it to kind of decide as to whether or not we go forward with getting more for, mm-hmm. like, inside the house. So we've got it set up, and I'm going to pull it up real quick. Because, oh, my God, yes. Because the cats are in there. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> and last night we were making fun because he named it driveway because that's where it's going to go. Okay. So every time we would move, it would say motion in driveway or motion detected in driveway or whatever. Ooh. And it, we had it set a little sensitive. So it was like picking up the cats and all that stuff. <laughs> and it was so much fun. I got to figure out how to work this though. Okay. Well, like you're this. doing that. Are you ready? Yeah, like this. See? Guess oh, who likes look. you? And then Bam. How cute. Oh. It's that guy. I like that. Okay, let's check on the cats. We're going to check oh, on the cats. Christopher just texted me and said, the Yoda's been sleeping all day. Oh, you guys <laughs> like, are going to have to order another one up. because you're going to want to watch the cats. I know. I, that's what I told him when I got home or when he got it yesterday. I was like, we're going to have to get one. Now we need a camera so I can watch the cats all day. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's like, I was going to, I am going to set this one up on the inside of the house though. Why is it not connecting? Is it because I'm too, it shouldn't be because I'm too far away. Is it because the signal in here sucks? Maybe we're mm. not going to check on the cats. We are in like a cement room. Oh gosh, how country did that just happen? Cement, cement room. room. We're in a cement room. Oh, Maybe we're not gosh. going to. So I am adopted, but my birth family, my my birth mom, or my adopted mom was uh, born in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come by it, honestly. You, you can feel it. Um. Okay, well, maybe we're not going to do this. Just kidding. That well, that's sucks. okay. I, I'll do it I later. I have a special you. surprise for everyone today. What? I'm not eating anything. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right before we came in here, I took like four <laughs> huge bites of my yogurt was like, good job. Yeah. And Stuff then, it in. Okay, yeah, yeah it's not going to work. <clears throat> um. The, oh, okay. I was like, where was, where did I, what did I think? You're so cute. Um, good Lord. The episode that came, that was live on Monday, Mm -hmm. Patrick came up to me afterwards and she goes, I really appreciate all of my apple munch and that I'm doing. She's like, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It was bad. And I even like turned my head away while I was like crunching. Yeah. But I, when I'm really into something like the story, I'm just like not paying any attention to what I'm doing. Yeah. And I remember like leaning into you. Yeah. You were wholeheartedly getting excited and like, yeah, (laughs) I was leaned into the mic just It's all good. It's fine. It's fine. And we might sound weird today. We're in a different studio. Yeah. Um, Our computer that records uh, is broken. It's broke. So, and we can't fix it. But that's okay. Maybe we'll sound better. Maybe you'll love it. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. We hope not, because I don't like this room. Yeah. It's kind of dusty. What's this mouse go to, by the way? I don't know. It's very dusty. Yeah, it's all dusty and gross in here. It's fine. It's all right. (laughs) It's fine. I'm dusty and gross, too, so. (laughs) Super dusty. That's fine. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. And Emily's still recovering, but you sound so much better. I feel a hundred percent now. Now I just have like residue junk in my lungs. Yeah. Like I'm coughing up, but residual hawkers. Yeah. <clears throat> that happens great. to me all the time. It's great. It's great. I spit so much in the shower in the morning that if I like get into the bathtub and mm-hmm. not the shower, I like my mouth fills up. Like yeah. I need to you need spit. To, you need to spit. And I'm it. like, wait, you're sitting in this. <laughs> <laughs> wait, don't. You're sitting Please here. Please, no. Um, let's see. What else? Is there anything else that I need to say? I don't know. You had um, grandpa time, but we knew that, I guess. So, yeah. Share tonight. I'm going to. So, tonight, I'm going to be uh, doing an event for our radio station called Love Songs for Love Chapel, if you're local, um, at the garage. And it starts at 8 30. I got up this morning at three to start mm-hmm. my day. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to get a nap at some point. Maybe. Yeah. You need one. I might You'll nap. need one. And um, 
then it's karaoke love songs, and yeah. I can't wait. I want... I, I want videos. Yeah, hardcore. And if anybody would like to come and they need a person to duet shoop with them, let me know. Yeah. I sing either parts. Or or, <laughs> or the, or the parts. rap at the end. What's up? <laughs> or, S and the P want to get with me. Yeah. Or all real. of the parts. <laughs> oh, Lord. At the same time. Fine. Okay. okay. Um, so I have a contingency. I need you to go first today. Mm. And you'll find out why once you're done. I guess we just do whatever Emily wants. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to Snapchat you a picture of these. You've seen them. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen them. Yeah, because I cleaned in here after they repainted it. Oh, my word. Cleaned. I want to send it to Mike Wilson when he comes in. Fire hazard? Fire hazard. Oh, Oh my gosh. Lord. Okay, that's all. Okay, hold on. Let me check this. (laughs) You got to see it real quick. Oh, I just looked at your other one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a... Two. Oh, two. Yeah, there's two back there. There's two. What are those called? Power strips. Power strips. Plugged in with, and they're they're completely full. Each yeah. of them. They are completely full. <laughs> they're plugged <Shit>. in, <laughs> hanging on a pipe that connects to a, an actual like four socket outlet that it's propped up on, and they're oh zip tied to the pipe. So we're safe. It's fine. <sighs> it's totally fine. <sighs> yeah, we're totally safe here. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, I did realize what I'm missing over here is I don't have a mouse to like oh, fondle. Yeah. Maybe that's oh. what the spare mouse is. I can't show you a picture, but not, you don't need a picture of who I'm doing. Everybody okay. knows the look. So, all right. Everybody knows well, what it looks like. Here we are, go. Are we just going for it? I mean, because it's Valentine's Day. People are busy. Yeah, it's Valentine's Day. Y'all got to get your chocolates and your roses and your. Whatever Simpsons else happens themed on homemade Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day cards. Yeah. 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 Okay. Share tickets. You know what? I'm going to Snapchat you someone singing Share to me at the garage, and oh, it's going to be way better than actual <laughs> Share. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. And you're like going with friends of mine. You're not going with them, but you'll be near I'll be friends near them. of mine. So, I mean, just have a great time. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm not even a huge share person. It's just share. Yeah, it's just share. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'm not like a huge share person, but it's, yeah. I mean, it's share. It's share. You're going to miss that? No. No. How, and not to be a Debbie Downer, but how much longer do we have with share? When will Oof. this opportunity come back to me? That is you true. Know? That's true. So, man. Hopefully, share lives for a very long time. If she passes moments before the concert, oh, Jesus Christ. Everybody will blame you. Fuck. Yeah, you're fucked. Anyway. Okay, so we're going to jump right into it. And these are special, like, Valentine's Day themed. Yes, yeah. yeah. For our, your special <clears throat> episode of Valentine's Day, because we forgot on Monday, <laughs> you get Valentine's Day themed. It's like a lover's. Stories on Valentine's Day. Yeah, so mine doesn't happen, like, around Valentine's or anything. It's just um, famous oh, did you lovers. I did. It kind of sounds like a really thick one of those, um, like, those plastic straws you'd whip around with yes. the crinkles. A real thick one. one. My (laughs) hands are freezing. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just cold. Stick them in your armpits. Oh, stick them under my butt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. On the morning of December 24th, 2002, Scott Peterson. I know. Special lovers lovers episode. Lover, lover. Mm. Eh. Left his home in Modesto, California for a fishing trip at the Berkeley Marina, 
That afternoon, when he returned home, he found it empty. His eight-month pregnant wife, Lacey's 1996 Land Rover, was in the driveway, and oh, as well as her like keys and wallet in the home. Scott showered and washed his clothes because he said they he had gotten wet from fishing. This was about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Scott would later tell police that he last saw his wife about 9.30 that morning, that she had been watching a cooking show, but was preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and walk the dog to a nearby park. So typical, normal, I'm pregnant, and it's Christmas Eve stuff. Yeah. Apart from her husband, Scott, the last two people known to have spoken to Lacey before she disappeared were her half-sister, Amy, and her mother, Sharon. On the 23rd... Lacey and Scott went to Amy's salon where Amy cut Scott's hair, which she did every month. As they spoke, um, Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket that Amy had ordered for their grandfather or her grandfather at the Christmas gift as a Christmas gift for the next day because he would be playing golf at a nearby course. Later that evening, Sharon spoke with Lacey on the phone around 830. That's about it. So that's like the wrap-up of their night before. So <clears throat> Scott's planning to play golf, and he was going to pick up a, a basket for them. When Lacey still had not returned home on the 24th by 5.15, so he'd been home a little over an hour, uh-huh. uh, Scott called his mother-in-law and um, like, hey, have you seen Lacey? She's missing. And that kind of bothered, as you'll find out in later interviews, that it bothered the mom. Like, what do you mean she's missing? She's just out. What are you talking? She's not missing. You've been home for an hour. Did you call her friends? Did you go across the street? What's the deal? Yeah. Um, about a half an hour later, Ron Gransky, Lacey's stepfather, called the police. After police arrived at the Peterson home, they found Lacey's keys, wallet, and sunglasses were in her purse in a closet, and the dining room table was meticulously set for a family dinner for Christmas Day. One detective found a phone book on a kitchen counter open to a full-page ad for a defense lawyer. Nothing's really mentioned further about that in all mm-hmm. these articles, really. Hmm. Modesto Police Detective John Bueller and Allen. It's, I'm sorry that I have to say this name this way because it's a super serious case, but it's Brocini. <laughs> Brocini. <laughs> that sounds so, like, a, like a bar sandwich. It does. It sounds like... A Get real? the healthy wrap. It's the Brocini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so Bueller and Brocini, the Q wake up crew. <laughs> I'm sorry. The lead investigators on the case <laughs> questioned Scott Peterson that evening. Although Scott initially initially said he'd been golfing, he later told police that he had gone to fish for sturgeon at the marina. At 2.15, he had left a message for Lacey that said, Hey, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Scott stated that he went fishing about 90 miles from the couple's Modesto home. Detectives immediately launched a search but were surprised by Scott Peterson's behavior. Bueller said he suspected Scott when he first met him, but that didn't mean he did it. He was just a little bit thrown off by his calm, cool demeanor and his lack of questioning. So he says that typically um, spouses of missing people or of missing children are like, um, what are you doing right now? Are you going to call me? Can I have one of your cards? What's the next step? What mm-hmm. should I be doing? And Scott was just kind of like, going, I'm going with it. Going with it. And also the the voicemail, he's like, it's 2.15. I'm leaving this location 90 miles away. So basically, here's an alibi. I've been gone. And whatever else. Like at one point he produces a receipt, like look where I was at this time kind of mm-hmm. situation. He's not... He's not worried about where Lacey is. He's worried about where he was. Yeah. 
Uh, later's na- later, neighbor- neighbors will say they found the Peterson dog, Mackenzie, with his leash still attached to her collar around 1030 that morning. Okay. And they let it into the backyard. Scott would say that he did not see the dog, but then later admit, okay, yeah, someone did bring the dog back. So he was trying to play off that Lacey took the dog for a walk and they were both grabbed. Hmm. Um, but someone brought the dog back. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Modesto police and firefighters carried out a massive search along Dry Creek the day after Lacey's disappearance. The search included helicopters with searchlights, police mounted on horseback and bicycles, canine units, and water rescue rafts. A total of 30 officers were employed in the search on Christmas Day, as well as Lacey's loved ones and volunteers who posted flyers to raise awareness of of her disappearance. Um, at a press conference, Detective Al Brocini said that police did not believe that Lacey decided to leave without contacting her family, commenting that is completely out of character for her. Um, I was, let's just go ahead and put this out there now. I had just had my daughter. She was three months old. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had just been pregnant. I was in my early twenties. Lacey was 27 when she went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big topic on our message board. Yeah. Like, we were following it. There was a Lacey Peterson update post every day. Oh, my gosh. We were obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, it was a media frenzy for sure. A $25,000 reward was offered, later increased to 250000 and then doubled to 500000 for any information leading to Lacey's safe return. That just shows kind of like how quickly the case snowballed mm-hmm. um posters went up flyers were circulated and the original basic version of LaceyPeterson.com, a website was launched by like the husband of one of her friends oh, so wow. it was like like chris i go missing and christopher makes a find patrick jones website yeah christopher would totally do that right yeah yeah totally we'll see unless i beat him to it oh <sighs> i love you friends family and volunteers set up a command center at a nearby hotel to record developments and circulate information Over 1,500 volunteers signed up to distribute information and to help search for her. So she was well-loved, well-liked. Everybody wanted to find her, and they were concerned. She was eight months pregnant, for crying out loud. Well, seriously. Modesto police did not immediately reveal to the public that Scott was a suspect, largely because Lacey's family and friends maintained their faith in his innocence during the month following her disappearance. The police did not treat the police did treat the case as as suspicious within the first few hours after the missing persons report was filed. Eventually, the police grew more suspicious due to inconsistencies in Scott's story. So for the first month, Scott's family was all about him. He's you know, he's grieving, help him. January 24th, 27-year-old Amber Frey, a Fresno massage therapist, comes forward at a police news conference and says she was having an affair with Peterson. So that is one month from, yeah. She says the affair began November 20th, one month before the Mm. disappearance, after Peterson told her he was single. Shortly after Lacey's disappearance, a co-worker let her know that, hey, that friend you brought to the Christmas party, he was on TV because his wife's missing. You know your new boyfriend? <laughs> okay, so imagine if it's someone you don't like at work. Right. And they bring their new boyfriend to the Christmas party, and you're like, oh, great, nice to meet you. And then, like, four days later, you're like, Amber's fucking boyfriend that she brought to the Christmas party is married and killed his wife. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would be so pumped about that. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. I didn't know that's how... That whole situation. I mean, I knew mm-hmm. that 
she yeah. came forward, but I didn't know that that's why she came forward because like I somebody know. was like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, Amber, guess what? How's how are things with you and Scott? I, God, I would have been such a bitch about it anyway." <laughs> <laughs> Did he tell you about his news interview? What news interview? The one where he had to talk about his wife being missing? Right. Like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Go search for your boyfriend's missing wife. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Amber contacted the Modesto police immediately. So Amber was actually a good person, and I would not have made fun of her. But maybe. She agreed to let the police tape her subsequent 29 hours worth of phone conversations with Peterson in the hopes of getting him to confess. During Scott Peterson's trial, the audio recordings of the couple's telephone conversations were played and the transcripts were publicized. The recordings revealed that in the days after Lacey went missing, Peterson told Frey that he had traveled to Paris to celebrate the holidays in part with his new companions, Pasquale and Francois. In reality, (laughs) he had made one of those phone calls while attending the New Year's Eve candlelight vigil for Lacey in Modesto. So all of her friends and family are there. Such a shit. The town of Modesto is out holding candles on fucking New Year's Eve. And he, if you listen to it, I wish I had a computer so I could make you listen to it right now. He's like... Hey, Amber, I'm in Paris. I'm by the Eiffel Tower. It's amazing. And she knows. And you can hear, he's like, I just wanted to call you. And she's trying to play along, but she goes, thank you. And you can just tell yeah, she you is can tell so she's done. Like, You're such a bullshitter. Right? Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. <laughs> so, I mean, like, once, Lace, once Amber comes forward, America's like, he did it. Yeah. We hate him. He yeah. did it. <laughs> We hate him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, <clears throat> almost three months later, on April 13th, 2003, a couple walking their dog found the decomposing but well-preserved body of a late-term male fetus in a marshy area of the San Francisco Bay shore um, just north of Berkeley. The fetus's umbilical cord was still attached, appearing to have been torn um, mm. Although a judge sealed autopsy results for the, for the fetus, an anonymous AP source revealed that one and a half loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and the significant cut, and that a significant cut was on the body. Mm-hmm. One day later, a passerby found the body of a recently pregnant woman wearing beige pants and a maternity bra washed up on the eastern rocky shoreline of the bay, one mile away from where the fetus's body was found. The corpse was decomposed to the point of being almost unrecognizable as a human body, the woman had been decapitated. Parts of her limbs were missing, including most of her legs. So not all of her. It's not like she would, they'd been chopped off. You couldn't obviously say they'd been cut off or something. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. On April 18th, the DNA results verified that it, were, that it was the bodies of Lacey and her son that they were planning to name Connor. The autopsy on both bodies were performed by per- forensic pathologist Brian Peterson. No relation. According to the autopsy, Connor's skin was not decomposed at all, though the right side of his body was mutilated and the placenta and umbilical cord were not found with the body. Lacey's cervix was intact. The exact date and cause of Lacey's death were never determined. She had suffered two cracked ribs, but they couldn't say if it had happened before or after her death. Lacey's upper torso had been emptied of internal organs, except for the uterus, which protected the fetus, explaining the lower level of decomposition it it had experienced. Dr. Peterson determined that the fetus had been expelled from Lacey's decaying body. So, Mm -hmm. uh, though he testified that he could not determine whether the fetus had been born alive or dead, there was no food in its stomach, which would have indicated a live birth had it been present. 
The AP observed that the doctor's testimony appeared contradictory at times, though he stated that no cause of death could be determined for Lacey or Connor. He also said it was her death that caused the fetus's death while mm-hmm. he was still in the uterus. Yeah. It seems pretty obvious, but um, the defense was definitely trying to say, like, well, you can't tell for sure. Maybe the baby was born after. Maybe someone kidnapped Lacey to get to the baby, which was, like, people were really talking about that way back in the day. Hmm. We were really like, could it have been this? Anyway. The discovery of the bodies created a greater sense of urgency for the detectives who had put a tracker on Peterson's car. Knowing that he was in San Diego at the time, they feared he would escape across the border to Mexico. And he was very well, like his family was from San Diego. That's where he was originally from. Mm -hmm. So they were worried that since he kind of knew his way around that he'd just sneak away. Hmm. Peterson was arrested on April 18th, 2003 near a golf course. Ha ha. He claimed to be meeting his father and brother for a game of golf. His naturally dark brown hair had been dyed blonde. So his hair is like dark like mine, like Mm -hmm. almost black. And it had been bleached like orange. And he had a goatee. Gross. Um, Okay, so his hair had been dyed blonde, orange. And his Mercedes Benz was overstuffed with miscellaneous items, including nearly $15,000 in cash. 12 Viagra tablets, <laughs> survival oh gear, camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones, and his brother's driver's license, in addition to his own. Hmm. Yeah. wonder what he was going to do. Goodness. Peter's father explained that he had used his brother's license the day before to get a San Diego resident discount at the golf course, and that Peterson had been living out of his car because of the media attention. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Don't try to explain everything away. However, police feared these items were an indication that Peterson planned to flee to Mexico. Yep. Um, On April 21st, 2003, Peterson was arraigned in some awful Stanislaus County Superior Court before Judge Nancy Ashley. He was charged with two felony counts of murder with premeditation and special circumstances. Uh, The first-degree murder of Lacey and the second-degree murder of Connor. He pled Mm -hmm. not guilty. Peterson's trial began June 1st, 2004, and was followed closely by the media. The lead prosecutor was Rick DeStasso. Um, Mark Garagos led Peterson's defense. Prosecution witness Amber Frey engaged her own attorney, Gloria Allred, to represent her. Allred was not bound by the gag order imposed on those involved in the trial because she wasn't involved in the trial. Uh Um, And although she maimed that her client had no opinion about whether Peterson was guilty... She was openly, quote, sympathetic to the prosecution. Homegirl hated Scott Peterson. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love this part of it. Anyway, she was just so ridiculous. And Gloria Allred is, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it was was just, it's great. Anyway, (laughs) I love that they're sympathetic to the prosecution. Yeah. Every chance she got, just (laughs) Scott Peterson. Anyway, she appeared frequently on television news programs during the trial. Peterson's defense lawyers based their case on the lack of direct evidence and played down the significance of circumstantial evidence. They suggested that the fetal remains were of a full-term infant and theorized that someone kidnapped Lacey, held her until she gave birth, and then dumped both bodies in the bay. The prosecution's medical experts contended that the baby was not full-term and died at the same time of its mother. Garrigo suggested a satanic cult kidnapped the pregnant woman (laughs) and that... Peterson was just a cad for cheating on Lacey, not a murderer. Okay, so 
because of the arms and legs being cut off, mm-hmm. why would you hold this woman for like another month until she gave birth and then just be like, okay, bye baby. And toss it into the, yeah. What's the point of that? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so his Garagos says, Scott's not a murderer, whatever, dude, a single hair was the only piece of forensic evidence that was identified. The strand thought to have been Lacey's was found in a pair of pliers on Peterson's boat. Let's talk about the boat for a second. Cause apparently I didn't write it, but, um, Lacey did not know he owned a boat. He had recently purchased the boat and kept it at a marina. Um, No one knew he had this boat. And after Lacey's disappearance and it came out that he was um, fishing, the mom was, or yeah, Lacey's mom was like, what the hell? When did you get a boat? And he was like, oh, it's a surprise for Lacey's stepdad, Ron. Ron already had a a boat and it was a much better boat. Yeah. So, (sighs) yeah. Yeah. As the trial progressed, the prosecution opened discussion of Peterson's affair with Fry and the contents of their taped telephone calls. The prosecution presented Peterson's affair with Fry and financial problems as motives for the murder. Maybe he shouldn't have bought a boat. <laughs> Prosecutors surmised that he killed Lacey due to increasing debt and a desire to be single again. <sighs> Who can I kill for that? Seriously. <laughs> I'm in debt. I need to murder somebody. In later press appearances, members of the jury stated that they felt that Peterson's demeanor, specifically his lack of emotion and the phone calls to Fry in the days following Lacey's disappearance indicated that he was guilty. Um, The phone calls are creepy, right? Yeah. Like, you are just playing a role. He's like, oh, time to shine. Mm -hmm. Dials up, Amber. Like, just stop. Just ignore her. Yeah. Just ghost her for a minute. Damn. Yeah, be like any other guy in... Yeah, you're done. Just ignore her. It's fine. Hmm. Nobody cares. She's probably would have been like, thank God, dodged a bullet. Seriously. (sighs) Okay. His lack of emotion in the phone calls to Fry in the days following Lacey's disappearance indicated that he was guilty. They based their verdict on hundreds of small puzzle pieces of circumstantial evidence that were revealed during the trial from the location of Lacey's body to the myriad of lies her husband told after her disappearance. The jury recommended the death penalty. On November 12, 2004, Scott Peterson was convicted of first-degree murder for his wife's death and second-degree murder for Connor's death. Judge, whoever, DeLucci, sentenced Scott to death, calling the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. The death of Lacey and Connor Peterson led to the passage of the Unborn Victims of Violence Act, which is also known as Lacey and Connor's Law. On April 1, 2004, Sharon Rocha and her boyfriend, Ron Gransky, were in attendance at the White House. So Sharon is Lacey's mom and Ron is her stepdad. The stepdad, he was emotional through all of the interviews and the press conferences. He loved those kids. And you could he was just so upset. Um, They were in attendance at the White House when President George Bush signed the bill into the law. The act provides that under federal law, any person who causes death or injury to an unborn child while in the commission of a crime upon a pregnant woman, will be charged with a separate offense. On October 21st, 2005, Stanislaus County, California, Superior Court Judge Roger Bochesny, not Brochini, Brochesny, <laughs> ruled that Scott was not entitled to collect on Lacey's $250,000 life insurance policy, having been convicted of her murder. Under California state law, criminals may not profit from insurance policies. On December 19, 2005, the money was given to 
uh, Lacey's mom as the executive executor of her estate. Lacey's stepfather, Ron Gransky, um, died in his sleep at his Modesto home in on April 18th, 2018 at age 71. After a lengthy period of failing health, he was buried next to Lacey and Connor. Aww. I know. I know. Amber Fry has kept a relatively low profile, save for a memoir, memoir publi- published in 2007 about her involvement in the case. And in 2015, she admitted in an interview on Today that she would do it all over again if she had to. She did not regret anything. Scott Peterson is currently on death row in San Quentin State, State Prison. Boom. Boom. So I can still see his stupid orange hair and his goatee. And... I mean, I, I, okay. I was, I also worked at the cable office and we always had a TV. Yeah. And so we, it was like on the Today Show all day or NBC. Like I just powered through this stuff. It was great. Get it. Loved it. So too much love. I mean, he met Amber Fry November 20th. Yeah. Murdered his wife December 24th. And she came forward. I mean, within like two months. That's insane. Two months of meeting to she's doing a press conference saying, you suck. <laughs> I mean, good for her, though. I, lo- I know. She's the, like, the hero of the story. <coughs> Who would have known? She was a single mom. Dang. Poor woman. It, girl. She was just trying to, like, find a dude. Yeah. And she was very 2000 looking, you know, like, with mm-hmm. her spiky ponytail. Remember when ponytails were, like, spiky somehow? Yeah. Yeah. Side bangs. Bangs push to the side. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that was it. Good job. And love. You did good on that one. Love and luck. Love and luck. No, just kidding. Bad luck. Bad luck. Bad, bad luck. You did good on that one. I like that. Oh my God. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Get ready to read this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Stephen Grant and Tara DeStramp met while Tara was a student at Michigan State University. Stephen had recently dropped out of school to take job take a job in politics with former Michigan State Senator Jack Faxon. Uh, Stephen and Tara were platonic friends for months after they met, despite Stephen's efforts. According to Stephen, he had asked her out. She turned it down, saying she had kind of had a kind of boyfriend. Oh, up shit. North, oh, God. I love that. Kind of. Uh, when Tara's grandmother passed away later that year, I don't know exactly what year this is, but it's like at least early 90s, maybe late 80s, early 90s okay. this time. Golden years. Yeah. Um, when Tara's grandmother passed away later that year, she flew from Tara flew from Lansing to Escanaba, her hometown, to attend the funeral. Before the service started, Stephen Grant showed up, surprising her. Uh, Tara showed up to meet Stephen with her boyfriend. Stephen says he went to dinner with Tara's family, but he felt really out of place. I mean, obviously. Mm. (laughs) You're just this random guy that showed up. Right. Uh, So he drove back to Lansing. The next day, he says that Tara called him and told him that she was in love with Stephen. So she's like hanging out with her boyfriend at her grandma's funeral one day, and then the next day is calling Stephen and been like, Girl! Hey, love you. <laughs> uh, the two dated for months before Tara... The two dated for a few months before Tara moved into Stephen's apartment in Okemos, just east of Lansing around 1994. Stephen was having a difficult time finding a job in politics, so he moved and began working for his dad, who owned a local tool and dye shop in Mount Clemens. Um, I don't... I think... Tara moved with him to Mount Clemens. 
I don't really know. I don't really know. Okay. There's no, there wasn't much on that, at least that I found. Um, in September of 1996, Stephen and Tara got married. Stephen says that things were tough at first, but Stephen says that things were tough at first. The economy sucked and it was hard for anybody to find work. Tara ended up getting a job at Washington Group International, which was then Morrison Nudson in an engineering and consulting firm as a manager in their San Juan office. I think she like worked from home or worked okay. from a local office and then every once in a while we'll go to San Juan because San Juan's in Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Is it? Yeah. I, I, I love you. I don't know. I was like, where's there's not a I don't know. You're like, how is she that's a heck of yeah. a commute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that whole situation, but that's the deal for that. Uh, Stephen's sister, Kelly, described their marriage as good with the usual share of ups and downs. Tara's sister, Alicia, was initially supportive of her, re- supportive of her relationship with Stephen, but claims that she became bothered because Stephen seemed to be verbally controlling. Mm, okay. <clears throat> In November of 2000, Tara gave birth to a daughter, and then two years later, in November of 2002, she had a son. As Tara climbed the corporate ladder, Stephen says that he saw less and less of her, stating that she was traveling all over the world for four years. On February 14th, 2007, Valentine's Day, Stephen Grant called the Macomb County Sheriff's Office in Macomb County, Michigan, to report that his wife, Tara Grant, had been missing for five days. Uh, I've had to research it because I, being from Michigan, didn't know where this was. Mm. Macomb County is like Mount Clemens. Like Mount Clemens is... In Macomb County, I believe. Oh, I don't know where Mount Clemens is. Oh. Okay. Here's my Michigan thing for you. (laughs) Okay, show me your map. Detroit's over here, and it's like, I think, a little north of Detroit. Oh, okay. So it's like here. Gotcha. That was perfect. (laughs) MapQuest who? Remember MapQuest? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Stephen told police that this was not the first time Tara had disappeared, which was the reason behind him not reporting it immediately. He claimed that on the evening of February 9th, he had overheard Tara talking with someone on the phone, telling them, quote, I'll meet you at the end of the driveway. He said that he then saw her get into a dark colored car, which drove off and hadn't seen her since. What? (laughs) You're on, you're, you're sitting on the couch. Christopher's on the phone. You overhear him say, I'll meet you at the end of the driveway. You're not like, who you meeting? Yeah. Why, Why are you going out there? Who are you meeting? Why Why do you need to meet him at the end of the driveway? What are they bringing you? Why can't they come in? And then, they, and then he just gets in this random car and leaves? No. Right? I'm right? sorry, but no. Uh, Stephen also told police that he and Tara argued because she planned to go back to the Caribbean on Sunday the 11th instead of Monday the 12th like she normally did. He said that he thought that, era, that Tara was angry with him when she left, and that's why she didn't call. Over the next two weeks, Stephen made numerous media appearances, at times accusing police of harassment, like the day... Um, oh, the day after he reported Tara missing, he was pulled over and arrested for driving with a suspended license. I don't understand why he thinks that's harassment if you're driving with a suspended license. Right. The police know. They're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> and pull you over <laughs> and arrest you. Uh, he, accused, he accused police of using the arrest as an excuse to take him into custody to question him further about Tara's disappearance. Police don't need an excuse. Right. I mean, they need an excuse after like 24 hours to hold you. Yeah. But they don't need an excuse to question you, I don't think. I don't think so. And he's I mean. Just, <laughs> he's just okay, being a baby, buddy. I guess. Get it together, dude. <clears throat> 
In an interview with the Free Press on February 21st, Stevens said that he'd rather his wife be with another man than come to any harm. He also said detectives warned him that he was the number one suspect. Um, according to police, Stephen was uncooperative in the investigation. He refused to answer some questions, and he ultimately agreed to a polygraph test as long as it was administered by someone other than the police. Um, okay. So. Does the, that make it not eligible for, like, court if someone, if, like, an outside company does it? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how that works. Me either. Anyway. You don't know all the laws of every state? No, I wish I did, though. Gosh. Um, the Detroit News published a series of emails. I think they published them in like the end of February of that year. Because mm-hmm. it said in the article I was reading, it said two weeks ago. And I think it was in like March, beginning of March. So okay. I don't really know. Either way, Detroit News published a series of emails where Stephen expressed his frustration about Tara's frequent business trips to an ex-girlfriend. In the emails, Stephen also appeared to be flirting with his ex-girlfriend, telling her that he wanted to see her naked, and he wanted to, and he wanted her to give him a sponge bath. Are Gross. we ninety? Oh my god! Who gives people sponge baths? Ew! If some dude said, "I want you to give me a sponge bath," wouldn't you be like, "Gross"? I'd be like, "No, dude. No, thank you." <laughs> are you Are you ninety? Can you would be my response? <laughs> can you bathe yourself and yeah. then come see me? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I mean, we can take a bath together, but yeah, I'm but- not. Sponge bath. It's not like raise your arm up so I can wash your armpit. Like sponge bath <laughs> in my brain is like you're 90 years old sitting in your bath and your nurse is bathing you because you right. cannot do it yourself. That's what a sponge bath is in my brain. Not a romantic, <laughs> let me suds you up. All I could think about is that episode of Seinfeld where George's mom's in the hospital and he goes to visit her. And yes. there's this, yeah, the sponge yeah. bath on the, in the silhouette. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's all I can think about. Um, in the email, Stephen also wrote that he thought Tara was having an affair with a coworker, a man he referred to as, quote, the old geezer. Oh, maybe. <laughs> She's into sponge baths. Maybe. Um, maybe she is, but I don't know. Anyway. I feel like, and this is probably sexist of me to say, but I feel like if a woman says to a man, like, can I sponge bath you? It's a little less weird. Whereas if a man's like, hey, can you give me a sponge bath? Right. I feel like if you're offering it, it's different than asking for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I guess regardless of your sex and gender. Well, you washed my butt crack. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. You washed my ass crack? It's Valentine's Day. <clears throat> In media interviews, Stephen said he was joking when he wrote the email saying, I did, this is a quote, I did say I want to see you naked, but that's because I'm a guy. Men always want to see women naked. Oh, Okay. Idiot. I hate him. Um, He also went on to say, quote, those were private emails sent jokingly to an old friend. There are a lot of things people say just kidding around that they wouldn't want to see on the front page of of the newspaper. Okay, first off, I don't know what old friend you're joking with that you want to see them naked, but that's not, that. that's, what? No. No, that's not a thing. And then also, stop writing things that you wouldn't want to see on a newspaper. Um, Yeah. I agree. I don't know. Did you know that it's really easy to, like, recover your emails? Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. (gasps) It's real easy to... Clouds, guys. Clouds. Hackers and clouds. (sighs) Stephen also mentioned understanding why people... Okay. Let me just start. Stephen also mentioned understanding why people thought that he killed Tara, stating, quote, that's what I would think 
when I watched cases like this. When Lacey Peterson Ah! came up missing in 2002, I was sure her husband Scott did it. But now I'm on the other side of it, end quote. That was my little tie. Nice. I loved it. (laughs) Good job. Um... The search for Tara ended on March 2nd, 2007, when police issu- when police used a search warrant to search the Grant home in Washington Township. In the search, they found a portion of Tara's body hidden in a inside a plastic bin in the garage. It was her torso. Oh, that's a big portion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, you said I was. You said a portion, and I don't. I'm sorry. Oh my god. Oh god. Oh no. Okay. Macomb County Sheriff Mark Hackle said that investigators and search crews had also recovered more body parts, not going into specifics. Hackle said during a news briefing that a three-quarter square mile area was searched, where quote quite a bit of remains were uncovered. Investigators also brought in five canine units to assist in finding the rest of the of her body. Uh, while police were still searching the house, Stephen fled the scene mm. in a pickup truck he had borrowed from a friend. Two days later, police found Stephen in northern Michigan's Wilderness State Park after tracking a cell phone call he had placed to his sister on March 4th. Uh, Wilderness State Park is just under five hour dri- a five-hour drive from Macomb County. So he'd oh. like, he didn't go... To the store. He Ooh. drove five hours away. Wowza. Um, and it's just just south of the Mackinac Island Bridge. Mm, so okay. the very tip of Michigan. As you see, I rubbed the tip of my fingers. Golly. <laughs> With the assistance of United of a United States Coast Guard helicopter crew, and uh, he was pursued and captured by local, state, and federal authorities. So Stephen had apparently spent the night in the freezing cold wearing only pants, a shirt, and socks. It's beginning of March, northern Michigan. No thanks. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Idiot. Uh, After he was taken into custody, custody, Stephen was airlifted to an area hospital for minor frostbite and hypothermia. While recuperating in the hospital, Stephen admitted to strangling Tara to death on February 9th, later dismembering her body at his father's shop. Mm, I just, the body dismemberment. Yeah. He then admitted to police that he took the remains to nearby Stony Creek Metro Park in Shelby Township and disposed of the body parts there. And upon learning police that would be conducting a search in that area, he returned to the park, recovered the torso, returned home, and hid her remains in the garage. Damn. According to his spoken and written confession, Stephen killed Tara during an argument after she slapped and belittled him. (sighs) Not to belittle somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's Come not, at me. It's not a reason. Even if she did slap and quote right? belittle him, that's not a reason to kill somebody. It's not. I mean, if I belittle you, just take it. You're fine. <laughs> On March 6, 2007, Stephen was formally charged with one count of homicide, murder in the first degree that's premeditated, and with count two, dis- disinterment and or mutilation of a dead body. In Michigan, the charge of homicide for the first degree is punishable by life in prison, and the charge of dismemberment is punishable by up to 10 years in prison, a $5,000 fine, or both. So, 
April 13th, 2007, Stevens' confession was released to the public, including his entire conversation he had with authorities and his written confession. Tara's sister was given authority against her estate, and she filed a wrongful death suit against Stephen. On Friday, December 21st, 2007, Stephen Grant was found guilty on the charge of murder in the second degree. On February 21st, 2008, he was sentenced to a minimum of 50 years in prison, which I don't like the 50 years. Mm -hmm. It needs to be life. Yeah. 50 years is not... He confessed to strangling and dismembering his wife. That's why he only got 50 years. (sighs) Stupid. Son of a bitch. Oh, my God. (laughs) On March 30th, 2010, Stephen lost his final appeal in state court, which left his original sentencing of 50 to 80 years intact. The Michigan Supreme Court affirmed a lower court decision that found Stephen's trial was not unduly prejudiced by pre-trial publicity in the widely covered case, nor was he improperly denied access to an attorney before making a confession to the police. Um, so his, his like reason for applying for appeal or whatever, mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, no. I mean that, yeah. Uh, I, in March of 2015, I'm basically just going to repeat myself, but in March of 2015, U.S. District Court Judge David Lawson denied Stevens' petition for writ of habeas corpus, where he claims that police improperly obtained his his confession. I just got like a lot of spit in my mouth right there. It was weird. Uh-huh. Uh, Police improperly obtained his confession in his hospital bed while being treated for hypothermia and exposure. Judge Lawson also denied Stevens' claim that pretrial publicity made it impossible for him to receive a fair trial. Judge Lawson said that officials in Macomb County took extraordinary measures to ensure that a fair and impartial jury was seated. So they're like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. not happening, dude. Tara's murder gained nationwide coverage from the media. During the search for Tara, the Macomb County Sheriff's Department told the public that they would hold a press conference every day until she was found. After Stephen's arrest, the story was featured on Larry King Live and Court TV. The Biography Channel series, Casanova Killers, and the Investigation Discovery series, Scorned Love Kills, both featured the case due to to Stephen confessing to an affair prior to Tara's murder. Oh, my God. With the family's 19-year-old au pair, Verena Dierks of Germany. Ugh. Gross, dude. (sighs) A news report... (laughs) This is... The teenage nanny. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, seriously. A news report by uh, Hema Mueller. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Mm -hmm. um, For KFOX TV drew public attention after she tried to suppress a laugh laugh when she saw Stephen's mugshot while reading the story. (laughs) A video of this has been seen by millions on YouTube. I watched it prior, just prior to this. Mm -hmm. And... You can tell she feels bad because she's, I mean, she, she does, she ends up giggling mm-hmm. because his mugshot, he's like, oh no. got these like crazy eyes and she ends up giggling and you can tell she's like trying, she's really trying to suppress it because she knows it's such a serious thing. And all the comments are like, I get it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see it now. Oh my God. Um, at least two books have also been written about the Grant case, a slang in the suburbs. The Tara Grant murder includes interviews with Stephen recorded at Michigan's Bellamy Creek correctional facility and limb from limb was written by Detroit news crime reporter, George Hunter, who covered the case from the beginning and former Detroit news editor melissa pretty okay. and that is the death of tara lynn grant i love the title of the book limb from limb limb from limb. that's the best I know. one i know oh, man it's that was perfect. good yeah mm. i was realizing as i was reading it i don't i didn't like do any like where is he now oh i mean i'm just guarantee he's still in prison because right. he got sentenced in 2008 and it's only been yeah 11 years mm-hmm. <laughs> 
but <laughs> that's fine. I didn't do a follow up, but yeah, whatever. It's perfect. You are perfect, and you did great. Valentine's Day, like that one in Scott Peterson's case, or and Lacey Peterson's case, are like hand in hand, man. Yeah, like maybe just don't cheat on your spouse. And what? Don't kill them. If anything, I mean, if you're gonna do it, that's that's between you and them. That's not my thing. But hey, if Emily, you're gonna do it, don't, don't tell me what to do. Don't kill the other person. <laughs> <sighs> if you're gonna kill someone, don't send sexy emails back and forth to somebody else <clears throat> until after they're dead. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh my gosh. Or maybe break up with them. Oh, that's so smart. You're and smart. then you can send your sexy emails smart i don't know life advice with emily just be a good person (laughs) just knock it off dude (laughs) just quit being assholes especially Uh, on valentine's day oh man hey it was valentine's day today yep it's our valentine's day episode yep surprise episode for you because we were stupid and forgot Mm -hmm. mainly i was stupid because i didn't remind you I totally and I forgot. Completely forgot. So it's fine. It's all good. You it's just totally get an extra fine. episode out of it. Yeah, and boy. Patrick has to spend more time with me. Has to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, we are. We'll be back on Monday. We'll totally be back on Monday. Happy We're not Valentine's going anyway. Day. <laughs> anywhere. Uh, share <laughs> share your Valentine's Day episode with your friends. Send us your recommendations. You can find us everywhere on Off Air with EP and leave us a lovely little comment on iTunes or, oh, um, Uh-oh. I didn't realize that I didn't submit us to like Spotify and Spotify. Spotify podcast. Um, so I did that. So we're on Spotify podcast now too. Oh, sweet. We're like literally everywhere now that you can listen to podcasts. Everywhere that I'm yeah, aware are. of. I love that. So get it. Get it. Bye. Pause. Oh, shit. That's the wrong. Oh.